Welcome to Emerge. It's been an amazingly beautiful week here in central Indiana. I'm so grateful to have yet another day and His mercies are being new each and every day, right? I'll tell you what, this is one of my favorite times of the year. I just enjoy seeing the beauty of God's creation making its next transition. We can see it in the nature all around us. The leaves are changing, the temperature is starting to settle down, and the animals are starting to prepare for winter. You can go on down through that entire list. You can even see it going on behind me. See, this is the best time of the year for us to start our changes too. Our calendars typically start quieting down as we have our schedules set in place. With that, we don't want to be like the leaves. You see, we don't want to be free falling. We don't want to be letting the wind just blow us wherever it wants. This is the time that we need to start digging into His Word, into God's Word. Have you jumped into a Bible reading recap with us? The Bible recap? It is amazing. We're in the New Testament right now, and we're getting to see Jesus on earth living just like us. It's the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, and it's just amazing to go through. I hope you'll jump on that reading plan with us. Or if you'll just start something new, just so you can let your roots grow deep down, and for you to be able to draw on and start a new rhythm in your day. You know, I love getting with my Bible and a hot cup of coffee. It just sets the tone for the entire day for me. So guys, let's just go ahead and pray and then we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you for this opportunity to come here and to learn more about you, to open up your word, your scriptures, and to be able to have them just breathe life into us. So Father, speak to us, touch us, let us see something new in there. Let us be just in awe of what you are doing in and through us and all around us. And Father, may we just honor and glorify you in all ways and in all things. So Father, we say thank you. We say we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's hard to believe we are in the final week of our Kingdom Come series. If you missed any of the other three weeks, why don't you just go out to our YouTube channel and take a look at all those previous recordings. I've really enjoyed these last three weeks and I'm really looking forward to today as we look at the recount of Lazarus in John 11. Now looking forward, next week, we're going to continue chronologically through the Bible. We'll be looking into the final days of Jesus here on earth as we continue through the Gospels. The next five-week series will be pointing us to the cross. All right, today we're going to look at and take a look at the recount of Lazarus. Many of you are familiar with this and the miracle that Jesus performed, but if you aren't, we should cover enough today for you to have a really good understanding. As always, I just recommend that you just go ahead and take some notes, and then you can go back and read over what we cover later. Read us sometime this week. If you have kids, talk to them on the drive home today or during meals or over what you learned. Ask them what they learned. Ask them what questions they have. You know, that's called discipleship. And that's what we want you to be doing with your children, with your family, with your friends. So as I mentioned, we're going to be reading out um, of John today. And the overarching theme of John is that Jesus is God. The whole book of John is summed up in those three words. Jesus is God. So John, who wrote the Gospel of John, was known as Jesus' beloved one. And we will see that here, that Lazarus was mentioned in this company too. That 
he was one of Jesus' beloved. You see, there are six miracles that are unique to the Gospel of John that you'll see in the sermon guide. You'll see that um, they are not covered in other Gospels that are also known as the Synoptic Gospels, which again are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So these six miracles appear in a few different areas in John. In John 2, we see Jesus turning water into wine. And that's a great tie-in to where we are for our in-person gatherings. We're in a vineyard. And no, we aren't serving wine. <laughs> All right, the second miracle that only appears in John is the official's son being healed in John 4. Next, in chapter 5, we see the paralytic being healed at the pool of Bethesda. In chapter 9, we, we find the next miracle, and that's only found in John again. And it's the recount of the blind man who was healed. The fifth miracle unique to John is what we will cover today, which is Lazarus being raised from the dead here in chapter 11. And then finally, the, the sixth miracle is the great catch of fish in chapter 21. So today we will be reading about Lazarus in John 11. So if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles uh, to verse number one, we'll start right there. We're going to cover most of this chapter today, but we won't read all 57 verses but you can and you should later. All right, I'm reading from the NIV version, and it is John 11, verse 1, and it starts off saying the death of Lazarus. That's what it's entitled right here. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So setting the stage, where we are, who's from that area. Verse 2, This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. You see, John is kind of recapping and recounting what's happened. This actually happened later on, um, but it, it's just a, an amazing view and recount and recall of who Mary is and what her heart is and how she loved Jesus and trusted him. And uh, it's just a beautiful picture. You want to read that story sometime, of course. Uh, verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, I highlighted that when I was going through. I highlighted, underlined it. Now, verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So it shows that he loved them all, all three of them. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And, the, and I was looking at it in the Greek, it uses the word that we covered last week, which means abide. So instead of stayed, a lot of the versions will say abide or abode. He abode. And so he remained. He stayed in place. What do you think? You know the one that you love or sick, but you're staying here. But see, Jesus has already told him he's staying, and it's not going to end in death. Um, and so verse 7, it says, Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees the world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. I love what he's saying there in that. Um, and just saying, you know, we all need to walk in his light and be of the day and be of his light and show everyone. 
Verse 11, after he had said all this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. You see, that was a, a euphemism and what a lot of the people of the day would say um, called death um, or when they said sleep. So he's really just kind of downplaying this whole event that he's passed away. Um, and he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. In verse 12, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. See, Jesus had been speaking of actually Lazarus' death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. Verse 14, so when he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him, he said. Verse 16, then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So today we're gonna to talk about the power of words in our lives. So for a point of context, we're just coming off the heels of what we've discussed in the past weeks from the, the feeding of the 5,000 and then last week we've covered as Jesus is the bread of life. So those were right in sequential order. Now this miracle of raising Lazarus is happening just before Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. You see, we're getting so close to Passover and ultimately on the road to the cross. We can see that this is a backdrop and the start as to Jesus going into Jerusalem. We are so close to Jerusalem and then this recount of Lazarus is so similar to Jesus in his final days. Why? Well, we have a group of people that are following and mourning you know, around the cross. We have Mary and Martha in with all the disciples as well. You see, we also have Lazarus, who's buried in a tomb and wrapped in a cloth, just like Jesus was. And we also have a stone that is rolled away, just like it was for Jesus. It's such a foreshadowing of Jesus' last days. So as we look at the power of words in our lives, you know, the words spoken are, here are quite powerful and true. There are words that have carried on over the years, like doubting. You know, if I mention doubting, whose, whose name do you immediately think of here in the Bible? Go ahead, just type it down there in the comments below. Whose name do you think of? Who do you associate with the word of doubting? Which apostle do you think of? Thomas, that's right, Thomas. But we need to change that. We need to change the title from doubting to tenacious. You see, Thomas has had a bad run in as being known as, the, the, as doubting Thomas, right? He's always questioning things. But why do we need to change that title? Well, it's powerful to have words associated with your name. And you can see that he was also known and seen as courageous, dutiful, and devoted. Yes, he's kind of like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, and a little matter-of-a-fact kind of a guy, too. You can even see that in the reading as we finish there when he says, Let us all go so we may all die with him. Eeyore. <laughs> kind of direct and to the point there and a little funny if you ask me. Next we have Mighty Martha. Mighty Martha is the sage. She's, she's the older one with the knowledge. She speaks matter-of-factly but boldly and confidently declaring her knowledge and the resurrection. You see her faith and belief in the power of Jesus was resting on what she knew but not in who she knew. That's a point to think about. We can all have the faith and head knowledge, but it's the heart that makes it all move in the right direction. Next, we have Ministering Mary. 
She's seen as the servant, the faithful one. She's the one that pours perfume on Jesus' feet. She's ministering to Jesus. And it appears that she's even ministering to those here that are came to around to help grieve with him and grieve with him. They followed her to their house, but, but not Martha. She was compassionate. She was full of grace. She fell at Jesus' feet. Next, we have living Lazarus. Living Lazarus is living in the fullness of Jesus. You see, he was close to Jesus, loved by him deeply. I'm calling him the living Lazarus as he was raised to life and he had a new lease on life. He was living life to the fullest. He was telling everyone about what Jesus had done for him. I love that his name means one whom God helps. Lazarus is a shortened form of Eliezer, and he was born in Bethlehem, as we learned earlier. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after he had been in the tomb for four days to show the glory of God. Lazarus was at the Passover celebration in Bethany just six days after this, and he became a target for murder by the chief priests because everyone was talking about him coming back from life. You see, all four of these names are powerful in their own right, but it's the adjective. And if I remember my English classes properly, you know, the tenacious Thomas instead of doubting Thomas. You see, words are powerful. Words are incredibly powerful. To some, a simple and flippant use of one word can leave a lasting impression upon them, sometimes positive and sometimes negative. There are power in the words that we all use. From talking to or even at our children, we can quickly and decisively come down on them, while it may be after one or many times of trying to correct them. However, it's the last words that sits on the minds of everyone. They even sit on the minds of adults as well, as we replay what had happened over the time. You know, I can still remember words that were spoken to me from Bobby Knight. I'm sure you all know who Bobby Knight is. The Bobby Knight who coached the Indiana Hoosiers, the men's basketball team, that Bobby Knight. The Bobby Knight that often went into tirades on the court. From throwing towels to throwing chairs, his short fused temper was something else to see on TV. You know, he was one of the best coaches and also one of the hardest coaches. His words were often harsh. Well, see, I was in fourth or maybe fifth grade, and I went down to the IU basketball camp. This was a dream come true for me, for I'm a true lover of the game of basketball, and I always watched Indiana play, and I loved going into a gym. You know, I had this dream that I would even play for the Indiana Hoosiers. Well, my best friend Ryan and I headed down for our first overnight camp, and it was four nights while we were there. We were incredibly excited to be there and this would just be a feather in our cap to tell our friends all about it. Our friends were super jealous already that we were able to, to go down there and be part of it. It was so exciting. We get there, Ryan's dad just shy of just tossed us out and then we we're off into the gym to get in our, in our teams and, and learn about what's coming on in the days ahead. Current IU basketball players, assistant coaches, trainers, coaches from around the area were all around. And the camp was just capped at 500 kids. And there was 500 kids in there. It was amazing. See, on the last night, we got the opportunity to tour the famous assembly hall. We walk across the edge of the court. We are all in amazement, looking all around, seeing how big, how massive it was. 
And as we were ending this tour, we were told that Bobby Knight, Coach Bobby, was there and he wanted to talk to us. So we all gathered into this cafeteria all around Coach Bobby and we were excited. It all started out really, really well. And then he started using words, well, words you might hear on a pirate ship. You know, shiver me timbers and arr. Okay, not really. I can't go into what was said. <laughs> but what happened over the next five to 10 minutes were some of the harshest words that some of us had ever heard in our lives. They were spoken at all of us. We all left terrified and felt unworthy to even play the game of basketball. You see, we had put Coach Bobby on this pedestal. We're believing that he would speak words of life over us, but he didn't. In fact, he spoke the opposite of it. You know, it's in the power of words, or as you see it in the Bible, as it's the power of the tongue. Check this out in Ephesians 4, 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. See, this is what we need more of today. We need to be building others up with these words. We need to build up our spouses. We need to build up our loved ones, our kids, our neighbors. We need to build up our presidential candidates. You see, we're seeing and hearing so much backbiting, some tearing down of each other right now. You know, when's the last time that you looked at a cashier and called them by name and said, thank you, Muhammad, for working today so I could purchase these items? You see, I did that the other day. Muhammad helped me at Fry's Electronics. And I talked to him there and called him by name. He was shocked. Four days later, I saw him again. He was at Speedway gas station checking me out. And I again called him by name. He looked up and said, you're the only person that's ever done that. And he went on to say how he remembered me from Fry's a couple days ago and had told his family all about it. You see, words matter. When's the last time that you did that? Or talked that way to your server or your family members? When's the last time that you told your spouse that you loved them? You know, I could go on and on about this, but it's really just the power of words that count. So now let's open up our Bibles and go through a few more of these verses just to show the power of words and finishing out about Lazarus. So open up to John 11 and um, I'm going to jump around a few places. Uh, John 11, 21 is where I'm going to start reading. So we've already gone through everything. This is where Jesus is comforting the sisters. It says, verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. See, she's laying the stage saying you can do everything. In verse 25, if you go on ahead, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, yes, the Lord, uh, yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. That right there, that is the kingdom come. That's, that's why we're reading this, because he is the resurrection and the life. 
and he who believes in him will have everlasting life. Let's go on down uh, to verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. So we're kind of fast forwarding, we're seeing all these people coming out and saying, Jesus, why'd you let Lazarus die? And they're mourning, they're grieving. And it shows that Jesus is an earthly man and he was troubled, he was sad uh, at the loss of Lazarus. And, and that all these are, were just, all these people were, were sad and, and crying. And they said, and he, Jesus says it to him, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see, Lord, they replied. And then one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, the very first one I ever memorized, and one that you can memorize too, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. This is one of the few times it's actually mentioned in the Bible. Um, and so he, he wept out of compassion, out of knowing who they were, and knowing that they were there. So let's fast forward on. So this is where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. It says, verse 40, so John 11, verse 40. Then Jesus said, I did, not, uh, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always, I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So that's a beautiful picture right there of Jesus telling us that God's always listening and God's always there for us. Verse 43, when he said this, and then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. So those are the powerful words, Lazarus, come out. See, I did some study on this. And if you look into what the theologians are saying, and, and all of them are like, if they would not have said Lazarus, if Jesus just said, come out, that many would have come out, uh, all would have come out. But he specifically said Lazarus and brought Lazarus back to life. Uh, and then here in verse 44, continuing on, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. You see, when they're saying that, they're, they're showing that it is the power of Jesus. That he was able to walk out because with all that on, he wouldn't have been able to stand up or come out. Let alone, it had already been four days that he was in the tomb. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And so then on from there is where the Jews start to plan uh, the kill and plot to kill Jesus. And you can read through the rest of that if you want here in chapter 11. But this is a, uh, an amazing story showing that the power of the words, how these words are spoken over us, how the simple titles used for somebody can change the trajectory of them, how speaking life into others creates new things, how speaking words of kindness can really impact lives. And you can even see Jesus speaking life into Lazarus to bring him back from the dead. And uh, it's just an amazing and beautiful picture. So words are powerful, written or spoken, they are powerful. So what actions can we put into place? Let's watch, watch what we say. Let's, let's openly look for opportunities. Let's reach out to those that are around us. Let's be deliberate. 
and let's speak words of life. So let's words spoken out and spelled out. You know, watch, observe, continue. Just be his hands and feet, focus in on people, show them the love of Jesus, and listen and speak words of life over each person. So let's go to prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day, for this opportunity to worship you, to learn more about you, to be able to sit in your presence. Father, the the stories of, of Lazarus and seeing Jesus weep was just moving and powerful. And then the fact that your words are words of life that can speak life into any situation, any person, anything. And so God, um, help us to do that. Help us to speak words of life into our loved ones and those around us. Help us to speak words of life in, into every aspect and everything. And help us to continue to focus in on you, to watch you, to trust you, to love you more. And help us to continue to be your hands and feet here around us. So Father, speak to us, lead us, be with us in every aspect as we go from here. And we just say thank you. We say we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All right, thanks guys for joining us today. If you open up the sermon guide, take a look. You can see multiple things down through there as far as announcements and next steps, ways to connect with us, um, ways to contribute, uh, to give your tithe and your offering if you want to. Uh, there's multiple links down through there. Also just wanna tell you that we are working towards our in-person gatherings. We've made mention, we're gonna announce this week, but. If you're listening this far, you get it here. October 18th is our soft opening. Would love for you guys to come and join us in person if you feel comfortable. If not, continue to watch online. Going to continue to have everything available online here. Uh, but we're starting in-person gatherings.